You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Okay, Proverbs chapter 4. I want to say this to you this morning. If you have your Bible with you, you need to get it out. If you don't have your Bible with you, look on with somebody else. Some of the scriptures we're going to look at and the principles we're going to talk about this morning I believe, my personal conviction is these are some of the most important principles in regard to Christians. You know, obviously the most important thing for anybody is to find out that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that that they can accept him as Lord and Savior, be born again, be filled with the Holy Spirit and live a new life in Christ. But once that takes place, I believe these principles that we're going to look at this morning are some of the most important principles there are. A few years ago, I'd have probably said to you something like, if you are serious about growing in God, growing toward maturity in God, you need to understand these things and apply them to your life. And that's true. Today, and I don't talk like this very much, but I'm starting to. Today, I'm going to say, If you do not want your faith to be shipwrecked in the next five to 10 years, you need to apply these principles to your life. I need to apply these principles to my life. We're seeing things going on in the church, in big groups of the church. I never imagined there's a spiritual deception in our world right now that honestly, I mean, I read about it. I've preached about it years ago. It's still surprising me. The level of deception that people are under and that many people in the church are going to. I'm watching people fall away from their trust. People I've I've known personally my whole adult life that were preaching the gospel, were serious about God, that are now going a different direction. They're they're saying in, in public that, oh, there are lots of ways to get to God. You don't just come through Jesus. That's just one way. I mean, I just, there are people that I've known personally, there are big time leaders, people that are influencing huge groups in the church that are just going, just saying, essentially, the Bible doesn't mean what it says. I, it's, it's so, I don't want you to go there and I don't want to go there. And it wasn't like they started out one day and just decided, oh, well, I'm going to believe something different. It happens little by little. So we've been talking about developing a listening ear. And um, we've been talking the last couple of weeks. I'm just going to read these verses, Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. All right, I'm not going to go back through this. We laid a lot of foundation from these verses. But uh, it says, my son, attend to my words. That means Pay, give undivided attention to my word. All right, this isn't a casual encounter. Attend to my words. Consent and submit means say yes to the word and yield your life to it. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. You got to keep them in front of you. Keep them in the center of your heart. We saw, and this is going to be important today, we saw that that phrase in the Hebrew, it means put them somewhere that's surrounded and protected. It's the idea of bringing something right into the center of the city, inside the walls, but not just right out by the wall, all the way to the center, in the place of greatest protection. And and so it says, keep them in the center of your heart. Why? Because they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all of their flesh. All right. So we've we've looked at that. We've studied out those words. 
So let's go on this morning to verse 23. And again, I just believe this is one of the most practical, powerful, important verses for us to understand. And it simply says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. Now we've studied these verses many times. Many of you have heard these verses taught over and over, but it's still, when you look at that verse, it says we are supposed to guard our heart above all that we guard. And you think in your life about all the things that are valuable and important to you that you put some kind of security on in some way. And this scripture is telling us, no, your heart is more important than any of that, than anything in the physical, than anything emotional, than any, any part of anything else. Saying your heart is more important to that. And it's saying with all vigilance or other translations say all diligence. We need to pay attention to this. And the reason is because it says out of the heart flow the issues of life. We've studied this before. That word issue speaks of a water course. It, it speaks of a river or a stream. And the idea there is the output, the outflow, what you produce in life is coming out of your heart. We'll define what the heart is, what the Bible says the heart is in just a minute. But so the the outflow of your life, and that word also in the Hebrew, it's the idea of boundaries. So your life can be bigger, it can be smaller, it can be, you know, you you can live in different places, but there, there are the boundaries. How far you will go with God? How far you will go in life? How far, how much of his will for your life and his purpose for your life will you produce? That's all coming out of your heart. And this is a lot of things we're going to talk about. It's not real popular teaching these days. People instead want to either put God totally, God's just totally in charge. God's doing it. God's sovereign. God has nothing to do with me. No, this, this is giving us a specific instruction to guard our hearts. Why? Because out of your heart, so your part in this must be important. Out of your heart, you're going to flow the boundaries of your life. The bigness, the smallness, the direction, the purpose of your life is going to come out of your heart, right? You got that? Okay. So there are two specific things that we need to guard about our heart. The first one is the condition of our heart. We're going to talk about that more as we go on. The condition of our heart. Our heart can be hard. It can be tender. It can be open to God. We can close it to God. We actually have control over that. doesn't always feel like it, but we do. So the, so the condition of the heart is really important. And then the, the, the seed that goes into your heart, what do you allow to come in? And we just have to realize this is taught throughout the scripture. The things we look at, the things we listen to, the things we give place to, the thoughts, the ideas that we take in, that we think on, and, and even th- the movies we watch, the places we go, the people we hang out with, the conversations we have, all of those things, they come into our hearts as seed, which means they're going to grow up and produce something. Your heart is actually designed by God to be the seed bed for his word. His word always comes to us in seed form. It doesn't come fully Uh, fleshed out, for lack of a better term. It comes as seed and it begins to put down roots and it begins to grow and it begins to produce. It begins to change us and then it begins to produce. But your heart is made, it's made in such a way 
that it will produce from what is introduced into it. So the things that we watch and the things that we give ourselves to, what we expose ourselves to, it matters. And we're responsible over that. We're supposed to guard our heart. We're supposed to be responsible enough to not, we, in this day and age, you cannot let yourself be exposed to every idea and everything that would come through your eyes, come through your ears. There's a lot of corrupt stuff flowing through the air. All you got to do is pull up your phone. You can pull in as much of it as you want. Your heart, and I'm just trying to convince you of this today, the issues of your life, the direction of your life, the borders of your life, they're going to be released out of what you're allowing into your life. In fact, where your life is today, where your life is today is the product of what you, the condition of your heart and what you have allowed into your heart over the years, what you're living today. And so if you don't like that, or you want something better than that, Jesus, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 next. Jesus told us that we can change the condition of our heart but the, and that we can bring it all the way through steps to being good ground for the seed of his word. But here's the kicker. When your heart is good ground, it'll, put whatever you, it'll, it'll grow whatever you put in it. Just like good soil in your garden, it grows weeds really well as well as whatever you want to grow in your garden. So even as we adjust the condition of our heart, we, we've got to, you know, this is why good parents don't let their kids watch everything there is out there on YouTube and TikTok and whatever. And I know, there again, unpopular idea. Oh no, just let them follow their hearts. I'm, I'll tell you why that's a bad idea. <laughs> it's just a bad idea if you understand this stuff. So here, let me just give you a few real quickly. There are just some lies that float around about the heart. Let me, let me go back a little. So what is the heart? What the Bible teaches us, all right, is that, and the best illustration, there isn't a great illustration, but the best one I've ever seen, my pastor did years ago, and he drew, we know that the Bible tells us we're, we are made up of spirit, soul, and body. The spirit being the primary life in us, the soul being your mind, your emotions, and your will, and your body being your body, right? And, and so the, the spirit of if you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. Your spirit is that new creation the Bible talks about. Your soul, your mind, your emotions, your will, that's in a process of change that the Bible calls transformation or renewing the mind. But so he drew a circle on one side that was that represented the spirit, a circle on the other side that represented the soul. And then he overlapped those two. So you can picture that. He overlapped those two circles just a little bit. And there was that middle part of that overlap, and that was called the heart. And the reason he said that is because, number one, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, Hebrews 4.12, you might want to write that down. It tells us that the word of God goes like a double-edged sword in, and, and it can divide between the thoughts that are coming from the soul and the thoughts that are coming from the spirit. The thoughts and intents, it can show us and, and reveal the thoughts and intents of the heart, okay? Places in scripture, when it uses the word heart, you can tell. If you look at the context, it's speaking a little more of the spirit man. Places in scripture, it's speaking a little more, it says heart, but it's speaking a little more of the soul. They overlap on the inside of us, okay? We could teach on that all day. But so when we say things like, uh, well, you know, the heart just wants what the heart wants. 
Okay, that's popular. Oh, the heart just wants what the heart wants. And that's usually used by somebody who's wanting to do something they know is a bad idea. Okay, heart wants what the heart wants. Well, the heart may want what the heart wants, but we're given responsibility to direct our heart. And the truth is, the Lord tells us, the scripture tells us, God can change and will change our hearts. He can change your desires. He can change your appetites. You don't have to be, you don't have to stay in your heart. You don't have to desire everything you desire. In fact, you shouldn't. As you grow in the Lord, for all of us, one of the wonderful things he does, he actually adjusts the desires of our heart so that we are living from the inside. You guys all know Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. That doesn't just mean whatever you want, daddy, God will bring it to you. It means he'll reauthor the desires in your heart. And then the next verse, talk about he'll bring it to pass. But first he changes our desires. He changes our appetites. Okay. And then, you know, the real popular one today is, well, you just can't help who you love or you just can't help what you love. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. You can love something or someone today that is not good for your life or totally contrary to God's word and God's desire for your life. And as you give yourself to the Lord, he can change that desire. We just read it to where, no, you don't love that anymore. I used to love a bunch of things I don't love anymore. I don't love them. I don't resist them. I don't fight with them. I never drive by the pot shop and say, man, I would love to go in there. They have so much better weed than they did, you know, back in the 70s. And I just, man, I just want to go in there. You know, I never have that battle because God changed the desire of my heart. I don't want that anymore. You know, been there, done that, wasted time with it. Okay. So, and people talk about following their heart. You just have to follow your heart. Only if your heart's been renewed, then it'll help you. But there are a lot of people getting a lot of trouble following their heart. And I don't have time to go through all this. But one thing we were talking about the other day was there are different things that can happen. We can have a hard heart. We can have a tender heart. Okay. We can have a corrupted conscience, we can, which is a part of the heart. We can have all kinds of things go on. And we have the phrase that we use, a broken heart. And it says Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. There are things that happen to all of us in life that can break our hearts, especially in relationships. They can break our hearts. And when you follow a broken heart, when you don't take time to let Jesus heal that heart before you make decisions, you're almost always going to make terrible decisions out of a broken heart. And you're just going to take yourself into more and more trouble. And and so that's not, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying the wise thing to do there is, okay, my heart's broken, Lord. You said you came to heal a broken heart, so I'm going to give you time to do it before I make any big changes in my life. Does that make sense to you? Okay, all right, let's move on. You can go over to Matthew chapter 12. Let's start seeing what Jesus says about this, Matthew chapter 12. This is an amazing passage right here. Uh, I'm just going to start here in verse uh, 33. He says, either, I, I, I don't have the new King James, is that what's up there for you? Yeah, uh, I can read it from here. Um, either, notice what he says, make the tree good and its fruit good, okay? Uh, the literal translation says, make the tree good and its fruit will be good. All right, one flows from the other. 
or else make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad because the tree is known by its fruit. And then he talks to his audience, real sweet, like Jesus always is. He says, you're a brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, a lot of times all we need to do to know what's going on in our heart is listen to the words of our mouth when we're under pressure, okay? Good man out of a good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. Evil man out of the evil treasure in his heart brings forth evil things. So Jesus says here, make, that's a Greek word that speaks of a direct action, something we do. And, and it can either be used as a completed action. We would probably say we have made the tree good. It can be used that way, but usually it refers to a continuous action. Make and keep making the tree good and the fruit of that tree will be good or make it evil and it'll be evil, okay? So he's giving us responsibility here. Do you see it? He's saying make. He's not saying you were born with it this way and it can't change. He's not saying, oh, well, you know, get used to it. He's saying you, it's the subject of the sentence, you, me, you, make the tree good or make the tree bad. So he's saying if you don't like the fruit of your life, fix the tree. Okay, work on the tree. Don't don't start with the fruit. Don't start with the outside. Work on the tree. He's giving us some responsibility, which means he gives us ability to respond a certain way for, over the condition of our hearts. He said over in John 14, 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, right? Let not. That gives us responsibility. So apparently we have some control over the condition of the heart and the attitudes of the heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. Well, troubling thing happened. I know, but don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of life. You don't want to go through life with a troubled heart. You don't want to go through life with worry and fear and antagonism and all this going on. You don't have to. That's what I'm trying to say today. You don't have to. If you understand, no, 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 the Lord is right there to help you do this, but you get to make the choice. What am I going to let in? What? Oh man, the condition of my heart. I'm seeing this fruit. I don't like it. Okay. He's saying we can change it. The scripture tells us God promised in the Old Testament when Jesus would come and salvation would come, that he would take the stony heart out, right? And put in a heart of flesh, a soft flesh, soft heart. And that's true, but the choices we make every day about what we're going to think on, what we're going to let in, how, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to respond. Our hearts do not get hard because bad things happen to us. They get hard because we don't respond the right way to bad things that happen. Does that make sense? So, so the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to take that stony heart out. I'm going to give you a soft heart. But we can make choices that either keep it soft or make it harder. Reharden our heart. We don't want to do that. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of our lives. Okay? Um, let me just give you this definition. We've looked at it before. Anytime Jesus talks about fruit or somebody in the New Testament talks about fruit, This is what it means. It comes from a Greek word that means the outward and visible evidence of the life that's working inwardly and invisible. Invisibly. So there's life of one sort or another working in our hearts. 
And fruit is the outward evidence. It's the life that flows out of that. Just like the fruit of a tree is evidence of what's going on in the tree, right? That's what Jesus just told us. And it goes on. This is part of the definition. The nature of the fruit is evidence of the nature of the life that produced it. Okay? So if we don't like what we're living in, where we're going, we don't like some of our attitudes. We don't like some of the ways we respond to people. That can change. But we don't just try. I mean, it's okay. Sometimes we need to just clamp our mouths shut. No question about it. But we don't, because, you know, and Jesus said back there, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Again, so many times you can tell what's really going on in somebody's heart just by listening to their words when they're not being religious, okay? When they're, when they're being honest, Okay. So part of it is the words of our mouth, but it's our actions. It's the decisions that we make. It's all fruit of the life that's working in us. If you had an apple tree and it was a sickly apple tree, it was just producing lousy apples, okay? I don't think any of you would go out there with a syringe full of fertilizer and start sticking it in the apples, you know? Like, oh, this tree's not producing well. I'm going to inject fertilizer into the fruit. We don't do that. We start asking questions about, well, what's, how come this tree is sickly? What's going on with it? What's going on in its roots? What's going on in the soil that it's planted in? Maybe it needs more water. Maybe it needs fertilizer. But we don't put it into the fruit, right? And yet that's exactly what we try to do a lot of times with our lives. We try to change the fruit without letting God change the heart without focusing on what's, what's the condition of my heart? What am I letting in to my heart? And you know what, God, this isn't something where God stands back. In fact, the Bible, there's parables Jesus told where, where uh, you know, the, the owner came in and said, man, this tree's doing lousy, let's cut it down. And, he, and his response was, as the gardener, maybe this is the better picture of the Holy Spirit in our lives, his his response was, wait, 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 let's give it a year. Let me deal with it. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me help this tree be more healthy. And, and so he did. And the, the point of that is that's his response in our life. It's not, hey, you better get your fruit together. Okay. He's there. He's there to be the gardener in our life, but we have to allow it. We get to choose, you know, what we're letting into our into our heart, you know, where, where are our roots, you know, but you look at that tree, it's like we wouldn't walk up to that sickly tree in the backyard and just go, okay, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution that you're going to do better this year. We would take the time to deal with the roots. And Jesus talks quite a bit about the roots. What are we putting our, our, our life down in, okay? Mark chapter four, you can go over there again. I believe these are some of the most powerful verses in the Bible. I couldn't fit them up on the screen <clears throat> without about 20 slides. So, um, you know, you probably have to open your Bible or look on with somebody. But we're going to go to Mark chapter 4 and start in verse 13. If I can get my Bible program to work, we are. Yeah, this one did not like the new iOS update. Try one more time. Mark chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 13, actually. I think I said 14. But we're going to start in verse 
13. Okay. So Jesus, again, speaking, you know, he just told them this parable about the sower sows the word, the farmer plants the word. They asked him what it meant. And he comes along in verse 13, he says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So obviously what he's supposed to tell, what he's about to tell us is really critical. It's like, if you don't understand this principle, you're not going to be able to understand much of what I do, is what he's saying. You're not going to understand any of them if you don't understand this thing about seed and harvest, okay? And, and so he comes along and then he says, so he says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And then he says, the farmer sows the word. Just in that one statement, we know because that farmer is a picture of God, okay? Sowing the word into our life. And it doesn't say sometimes, you got to watch because sometimes the farmer sows the word. He doesn't say once in a while, twice a year, you know, God's going to bring some, Father's going to bring his word to you. It's like it's continuous here. This is what he does. He'll do it daily. He will bring you and I a word in season to plant in our hearts, to either change the condition of the soil or to put fresh seed in our hearts on a daily basis, if we will allow it. The, he, the, the Father sows the word. It's what he does. We can trust him for it. He's absolutely faithful to take up that role in our lives. If we will just sit down at the table, he will put before us from his word what we need. Can you agree? Okay. So he's, he's faithful. He consistently brings us his word. Verse 15 says, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. Soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. The only way Satan can come immediately and steal the word out of our hearts that we've heard is if our hearts are hard like a trampled path. Okay? means they're resistant. We don't really let the word in. That's a, that's a hard heart. Variety of reasons that can happen. Uh, but the only way that Satan can come right away and steal God's word out of your heart is if you allow a hard heart to, to grow and to become your... And this can be a part of our heart can be hard and parts of our hearts can be different, but there might be an area where your heart is hard. You don't receive what God says. And we're going to pray over that here in a few minutes. So this, this tells us when Satan comes. It says he comes immediately. That means when you hear the word, whether it's in your own devotional time, here in church, other, other ways, other places, and you know God's speaking to you, the devil will send somebody or something into your life to question. We looked at this last week. Question or contradict. Question the word. Did God really say that? What do you really mean? Oh, that's, that's old fat. He must not really think that anymore. God has changed his mind on that subject. Or totally contradict the word. And right there, you always have a choice. When, when he comes to steal the word out of your life, he's right there. It's a great time to rebuke him and hit him in the face with what the word says. Just hit him like a pie. Just hit a, a, a pie with a rock in it. Just hit him in the face. He's right there. He's lying to you. Shove it back at him. Resist him. And the Bible says... He'll flee from you, right? So he comes immediately. And the reason he comes is to take the word out of your heart. We're going to see a pattern here. He doesn't come to make you sad. 
He doesn't come to hurt your feelings. He comes to steal the word. Let me say it this way. The devil doesn't want you sad or happy. He doesn't care about that. He wants you fruitless. He doesn't want you producing the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ in this earth. He wants you fruitless. So he comes to steal the word. All right, let's keep going. Mark 4, 16 and 17, it says, Other seed is like seed, or others, sorry, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since, notice, they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word. I like the way it reads in the King James. It says, for the word's sake. Why does trouble or persecution come into your life? 85% of Christians will answer that with, because God's trying to teach me something. That's not what Jesus said. Can I learn when I'm having trouble and persecution coming into my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can grow. We can learn. But you got to turn to God. You can't just let the trouble and the persecution sit there and beat the tar out of you and think you're going to grow in that. That is not what the Bible teaches. I know it's taught all the time. It is not what the Bible teaches. That trouble and that persecution is coming for the word's sake. That word trouble means extreme pressure. It means troubles. It means distresses. It means pain. It means anguish. It means all these things that all of us faith, faith, face living on this planet. And that word persecution, I just feel like I got to say this today, persecution means somebody attacking you for your faith. It doesn't mean my boss was mean to me because I'm late every day, okay? That's not persecution. That's you being late every day, okay? Did you get it? You okay? That's the truth. It's, it's not that. It's somebody honestly coming against you, and that's happening. We have that for your faith. That comes, why? To, not to make you unhappy, not to, not to mess with your friendships, it comes to steal the word out of your heart. So again, we have an opportunity right there to go deeper or to let the word go. Okay, does this make sense to you? All right, so those things come into our, and this describes a group of people who get really excited about the word, but they don't let it go deep or they don't go deep in it. Okay, they don't let it go deep. They don't, they've never learned the power and again, this isn't criticism. This is just fact. Never learn the power of endurance, perseverance, rootedness, stability. Boy, just talked to us about faithfulness, stability. Okay, they've never learned that power in their life. They just move from thing to thing to thing to thing. Whatever the shiny new thing is, you know, whatever, you know, they're just easily distracted. And again, I, I, I don't know what it sounds like, but I'm not being critical. I'm trying to help you. When we, when we don't learn how to be rooted, we all enjoy new things, but we shouldn't uproot from where God's planted us just to grab the shiny new thing, okay? People do it. They go from church to church. They go from job to job. They go from, uh, they go from doctrine to doctrine. Whatever the newest cool Christian fad is, they're running off after that. That is not a healthy way to live. And Jesus said, You'll, you'll lose the word. The word's not going to be able to produce in your heart when we, when we live that way, okay? Mark chapter 4, 18 and 19, it says, still others like seeds sown among thorns. By the way, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going late today, okay? 
I've got to give you all this or I'm not going to sleep until next week, no matter what we prayed. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful, which is an amazing thing because the word of God created everything that we know. It's the word of God and the attitude of our heart can make it unfaithful. And let me say this, weeds, okay, this is talking about things that grow up in our heart and they just distractions, cares pulling us so that we can't focus on the word but he compares them to weeds i didn't realize how many of the beautiful wildflowers that we all love around here a lot of places those are weeds those are weeds some of the things they're beautiful they grow along our road going out to antelope hills and the county comes and sprays them because they're beautiful right up till they choke everything out right? So it's the same way with those things. This isn't all bad stuff. This isn't all all sin. They're just, you can't do everything. You can't be involved in everything. I can't be involved in everything. We've got to set some limits on our life, guard our heart so that we're not trying to take in everything. We're not letting everything in. We're not, there are things that are just a distraction. There are things that I'd, I'd love to still be doing in my life. They're not sin. They're not bad things, but I can't do all of that and give the time and focus that the word needs. And the same is true for you. You've got to set some priorities in your life. So verse 20, he says, Others, like seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it. That word hear, you're going to recognize this, because we talked about it in Proverbs. It means to hear with the intent to obey, and with great respect for the speaker. Great respect for the teacher. Here, so that's our, that's our, we talked about, get the last two sessions. We talked a lot about this. Here with the intent to obey and with great reverence, really, for the teacher, for the Lord. Okay, there are those who hear the word, they accept it. That means to receive and embrace with special favor. To receive and embrace with special favor. And they produce a crop, 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So the Lord working in our life can take our heart. I think we can have all these different kinds of ground in different parts of our heart. That's my opinion at any one time. But he can He can give us, he can help us to get where we've got good ground in our heart. Just remember, good ground will produce whatever you let in it. So sometimes you have to be even more careful. And we need to look at these next couple verses because this is where we're going to, this is what we're going to pray over. All right, so give me a few more minutes here. Beginning in verse 21. Now notice, this is right after, right after. He just told us the condition of your heart, and here's a bunch of things that'll change that. The condition of your heart has everything to do with how much of my life is being produced through you, okay? How much fruit you bear. He just told us that. Last verse, he was talking about that. And now he says, do you bring a lamp to, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you lift it up high and put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, Let him hear. The Amplified says, let him be listening, let him perceive and understand. All right, and then verse 24 and 25, and I'm reading this from the Amplified. 
And he said to them, be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you. Uh, to you who hear for who have who sorry him who has will more be given from him who has nothing even what he has will be taken away so Jesus tells us here he goes through all that in Mark 4 and then he comes down and he says you know you don't bring a lamp in and then hide it away you bring a lamp in for a purpose right to light up the area so that you can see what's going on he's telling us that yes, the word of God comes into our life as seed, but it also comes in as a lamp. It also comes in to reveal what's going on in our heart. How does that happen? Well, sometimes we hear the word, and again, we can just receive it. We can receive it with joy. It's wonderful. Sometimes we hear the word, and it offends us. And this happened with Jesus. Jesus talked to people. He said, really, that offends you? Huh, wait till you see this, you know? And and it's like oh well as Christians you know we should the, we should never offend anybody nobody should be offended well if you hang around Jesus you're going to have the opportunity to get offended because sometimes because he'll tell you the truth and sometimes that truth comes in and it's offensive it's hard it it we'd rather not hear it we'd rather let it go those are the very scriptures we probably need to be paying attention to. Those are the very things. You know, I mean, I could give you a lot of examples. We we talk here. We do the offering the way we do it. We speak the word. We talk about it. We don't hide it away. Well, we've had people leave because we talked about money. They didn't want us talking about their money. Well, the Bible talks about your money. Probably, almost certainly, that was something you needed to hear because it offended you. When I get it, I'm trying to learn this. When something, you know, comes and it's just, man, that's a hard word or, or it lights up an area in my life, that's the verse I want to give myself to because it'll it'll change me. You know, it's what and this you can write just write these down. Psalm one nineteen, one thirty says the entrance and unfolding of your words gives light. Right? Proverbs twenty twenty seven says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Okay, so the point is a lot of times we have a hard time recognizing the hard ground in our own hearts. A lot of times we're not real good at recognizing a place where maybe we're really, we love hearing the word about that, but we've never gone deep in it or let it go deep in us. Sometimes we hear the word and, and we just, we don't recognize that we're being distract, distracted from it. We're letting it go. We don't recognize it. So the word will come in. Are you staying with me? This is important. The word will come in as a lamp. And sometimes it comes in and it doesn't feel good. But those are the verses we need to give ourselves to. We have in our house, we have an attic. How many of you have an attic? Or maybe you have a messy garage. Or maybe you have a shed. In our attic, there is a lot of stuff that should have been thrown away years ago. There's some good stuff in there too. There's Karen keeps a lot of her frames up there. We have our camping gear. There's good stuff there. Most of that's right around, right, very close to the opening that we go up through. Back in that attic, I'm glad Shirley's not here today. Back in that attic, there is stuff that was left there by the previous owners of the house 26 years ago, okay, that we have not gotten rid of. There's stuff that we brought 26 years ago, or sooner, maybe, that should have been gotten rid of. And every time you go up those stairs and you turn on that light, it's all visible. 
sometimes I don't even want to go up there. I don't want to go up there because I don't want to know that, man, we got to deal with this attic. This is not easy. This is not fun. You have to, I have to crawl around on my hands and knees, you know, to try and get stuff out of the attic if it's not right there. I, it's not comfortable. It's hot in the summer. It's cold in the winter. And therefore, it's in the condition that it's in. But every time you turn on that light, it's a reminder. Sometimes I know where something is and I don't have to turn on the light. I can grab it and escape. Okay. Sometimes we treat our hearts that way. There are places in our heart that the Lord's been trying to deal with that shouldn't be there anymore. It's time to let them go. And it might be a hurt. It might be an offense. It might be resentment. It might be anger, fear. Could be all kinds of things. There are things that we didn't know yet need to get out of there. There's good stuff too. But when we let the word in to look at the good stuff, a lot of times it highlights things that need to be changed. If we keep those things hidden, the reason the word's coming in, Jesus just said, is so those hidden things would be disclosed. It's for our good. It's to clean out the heart and make it a better place for the word. Does this make sense to you? But those, you know, again, sometimes the word feels like offense, uh, offending us. Sometimes it, you know, whatever, those are the ones that are trying to clean something out of our life. When we treat, and we're about to pray here, when we treat our heart like that attic, the problem is your heart is not an attic. Your heart is a seed bed. So whatever you leave in there is going to produce your future. It's going to produce the issues of your life. So the Lord told me today that we need to pray over two, he gave me two very specific things. One is that we would commit to embracing the word that offends. I hope you understand what I mean by offends. It pokes us and we're uncomfortable with it. And you know what we do sometimes? We say, God loves me. God is good. All that's true. He doesn't mind if I just leave this thing in the attic. He doesn't, he doesn't mind. And yet he keeps lighting it up. Okay. So obviously he wants it out of there for your good. But sometimes when we conceal those things, when we hide them, we're putting seed in the seed bed of our heart. We're keeping seed in there that he wants to remove. So I want us to pray that we would commit to embracing the word that offends. And the word he gave me too was that we would pray that the things, um, what was there that shouldn't be there would be decommissioned. I thought that was kind of odd. That's why I wrote it down and replaced with the seed of the word that those things that have been in our heart, things that are, they're producing, we just don't know it a lot of times. That those things be decommissioned. They be taken out of service. And then that the Lord begin to deal with those and dig those out. Okay? So how many of you can agree with that prayer? Okay, one or the other or both of those prayers. So let me just pray. I'm just going to pray for all of us. Why don't we stand this morning and just receive this from the Lord? I'm just going to pray for all of us. Why don't you catch hands? If you're near somebody, just take hands with them. If you want to pray for them this morning as we do this. Father... Lord, I, I just pray this morning again, I believe this is for our safety in the coming days and the coming years. Lord, I, I believe you brought this specific word to us this day for our safety and to keep us on track. And so, Father, first of all, and Holy Spirit, I know you're right in the middle of this. Help us, help us to be receptive to, very receptive to 
open to actually maybe pursuing the word that might have hurt or offended in the past. Somebody has, I'll just say this, somebody has felt discouraged whenever God speaks or whenever you see something in the Bible about a certain area in your life, your heart, your attitudes, you've felt discouraged. And what the Lord wants you to say or wants you to know this morning is, I never send that word to bring discouragement. I send that word to bring hope. That word is full of hope. That, that word is coming because that can change. That doesn't need to stay. And I'm not offended by you. I'm not offended by that attitude in you today. I just want to fix it. I just, I have something better for you. So Father, I, I just pray for all of us and we just say it today, Lord, we will receive the word that offends. We will receive the word that pokes those areas in our life because we want to be good soil. And secondly, I pray for anyone in this place, Lord, that needs there's something that has been hidden, something that's been concealed. We don't talk about it. We don't really let you into that room. Lord, whatever that is, I pray that that thing be right now decommissioned in their life, that the life go out of it, that it will no longer direct the course of their heart or their mind or their thoughts or their attitudes. It will be decommissioned. It will, all of its ability will be removed. And instead, the word, the living word of God, breathed by the Holy Spirit, will come in and change that area, transform that area in their life. And Lord, we come before you today where two or three agree is touching anything. You said it would be done. We agree for one another on those prayers this morning. And we thank you for the fruit that we will see from what you've spoken to us today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I got one more. Is there anybody in here? Has never given your life to Jesus, or that you've been walking with God, but you're just not where you used to be? Is there anybody that would like prayer for either of those things this morning? And if you're out online, just receive it. I'm just going to pray for you, Father. We just want to be close to you. I pray if there's anybody online this morning that needs to receive Jesus, that they have an encounter with you, they accept you as Lord. And if they want to just draw nearer because they've lost ground, Father, we agree with them that the Holy Spirit comes into their life, draws them in, and they get plugged in and planted again in you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I kept you a really long time today. I don't usually do that. Not this long. All right. So let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison base in the world. We'll be dismissed. See some of you at two o'clock for the baptism. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.